Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. Now, on this episode of the podcast, we will be talking baseball. Obviously, this is a baseball podcast. But we won't be speaking to beat writers. We won't be talking about spring training. I mean, a little bit of spring training talk, but not necessarily. Because we're going to be looking at the other realm of sports, which is fantasy sports. Fantasy sports has taken over the landscape of how individuals enjoy sporting outcomes, sporting events. It's changed the viewing experience for sure. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I and I enjoy playing and participating in fantasy sports. And mainly, we're having this podcast because we're going to be talking fantasy. Because I need to prep for my fantasy draft, which is in about a week. <laughs> I need to prep for this thing. And no, there's no better way than to prep for fantasy sports than with a fantasy expert, and that's why I have my guest here today. And joining me on the podcast today, I have with me Justin Hughes. He uh, has, what, cr- created Baseball 365, has the podcast and everything like that. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Wally. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. Uh, it's It's been, you know, I've been trying to get some uh, some fantasy uh, perspectives here. And I think that you're the perfect guy that, that Facebook page, by the way, um, baseball 365 is fantastic. I mean, you guys have a lot of input. There's a lot of people, um, and you have the podcast. How's the podcast been going? Podcast is good. We're finishing up. Andrew and I are recording tonight and we're finishing up the last of our position previews. And you know, this is a project where we start the first week of January. And by the time we get to this point where we're almost done, it's almost like a relief to have it over with just because <laughs> it's fun to do. Cause you get a deep dive into all these guys, but it's a lot whenever yeah. you're doing about two hours per position. And then um, like more like four to four or five hours when you get to outfielders and starting pitchers, it's, it's just a lot. So we're happy to be done and getting close to the actual baseball. Yeah, and, and it's getting exciting because, I mean, we're in the middle of March and we're getting, what are we, like two and a half week, three weeks away from spring training, or I'm sorry, from uh, opening day. And uh, the the rumor is that there's going to be fans in the stands. How excited are you about that? Oh, man, I'm I'm thrilled. I um, personally, I, I don't know if I'll make it to a major league game this year. I live about three to four hours from Kansas City and St. Louis. Okay. So I'm a Cardinal fan. Uh, nice. Maybe I'll get out there later in the summer. But what's exciting for me is I live in Springfield, Missouri, which is home of the double A Cardinals, right. the Cardinals double A team. And I'm excited to get back out there and get to see some baseball because we just moved back closer to Springfield last year. And I was fully planning on seeing so many games last year. And then all this happened. And yeah, no, a lost season. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's the interesting thing when you look at this upcoming year because not only, you know, the projections from a result of last year into this season because it's a kind of wonky, right? And that's kind of the, the, the information that I need from you uh, as we get into this podcast 
talking about pitchers and, and players that benefited from the 60-game season, mainly Trevor Bauer. We'll get into him, um, but also prospects, too. Like, what do we expect? Because it was almost essentially a lost season. I mean, some uh, clubs, they had alternate sites and stuff like that. And it's just very weird. It's a it's a different year for fantasy baseball, I would say, as far as the preparation goes, because it, it it's kind of like a stopgap from the last time that these a lot of these prospects uh, were were really relevant. And then the sixty game season, it just kind of you know it, it throws things off because maybe some numbers are inflated compared to what it could have been in 162, right? So I want, I want to use that. And by the way, Cardinals, we're, we're going to get into Nolan Arenado. I, I know you're excited yeah. about that. <laughs> I'm excited to see him leave. I, my, myself, I am a Giants <laughs> I'm fan. I'm sure you are. Yeah, I am excited to see him leave the West, man. But And I know you're excited to get him over there in St. Louis. So we'll get into all that first uh, but or next. But first, let, let's get into the, the, the pitchers, right? The pitchers. And the main one that I I have questions on and I'm not so sure that I'm sold on, maybe you can sell me on him, is Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer comes over. Uh, it was it was a, 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 you know, a mystery as to where he was going to go. He ends up with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'm looking at, and I've, and I've only looked at a few ranking systems, and I'm not sure which ranking systems you use, uh, but here I have in front of me ESPN, and I know ESPN, they're kind of, they're, they're they're out there. I'm just, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, but when I look at Trevor Bauer in NL-only formats, he is ranked number two, only behind Jacob deGrom. Is, is there, uh, is that something to really look at, or is he really that high on the list? He's a divisive one, and he's one I've gone back and forth on this whole offseason. And um, I think at first I was really out on him as whenever I was thinking. I pay attention a lot to NFBC ADP because I think those guys, whenever – I mean, there's a lot of money that those guys are paying to play in those leagues. And whenever you're doing that, you're going to be – I don't know. It's just – I think it's where the best of the best play in a lot of those draft and hold formats. And anyways – at first, I was out on him, and like I think of it as fifteen-team leagues. So if I, I may, you may hear me kind of stim, stim it that way in terms of the drafting, because most of the leagues I play in are that. But in those leagues, he's a late first round, early second round pick, and an NL only, yeah, set number two. But I wasn't so sure. He's been so up and down in his career. I mean, he started off his couple first couple of years a mess, and he really seemed to at least start getting it figured out in the second half of 2017, had the elite year in 2018, and then fell apart again in 2019 before having this big year, big 60-game stretch last year. But my feelings started to change as I heard he was mentioning a desire to pitch every fourth game this offseason for wherever he went to, but then he went to the Dodgers, which is mm-hmm. – a great opportunity for wins, great park, great organization to pitch on, but there went the chance of him pitching every fourth day. I mean, they have better six through 10 rotation arms than a lot of major leagues, one through five. Right. But they also don't overuse their starters, but I'm also intrigued because he was one of the more outspoken players the last few years about whenever the whole, a lot was being said about these Astros pitchers all seeming to find more spin in their pitches. And he was suggesting that the ball was being doctored with something. Right. And that was the only way to get spin the way that they were getting it to 
which helps increase your chances of missing bats. And at that time, I read an interview where he said that if you all of a sudden see him get more spin on pitches, that means he's going he found something to use. And that's what happened in 2020. I mean, if you go to like baseball savant and you look and see what his fastball spin rates were in 2017, 2018, 2019, he was like in the 70, 80 percentile. And then all of a sudden last year, he was in the hundredth percentile. It just jumped up. And I think he found something And he, I mean, it's one of those things that's kind of like the untalked about rule in baseball. You don't talk about what substances you're using to grip the ball better and get more spin, but I think he's using something. And that, that honestly is what um, has me thinking that I'd be okay doing it. I'd consider him at the end of the first in like a 15 team league. He has been up and down, but I think I'm chancing it mostly for that last part with the finding something to get more spin. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, because for me, I mean when you look at the the projections, right, and you go off of what he did last year, he did really well, right? I mean, Cy, Cy Young mm-hmm. Award. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue, yep. dispute that. But then you also have to translate that into okay, what could it possibly be in one sixty two? Um, and also, I mean, Trevor Bauer joining the Dodgers. I mean, it benefits him, right? I mean, he's going to have the more the opportunity for more wins. Um, but the new division and and the NL West, you think that plays a factor? And who has the advantage, the hitters or the or the pitcher? Yeah, I um, he's it's kind of interesting going from there because last year he only faced the American and National League Central, which was the easiest position to be in for pitchers. I you weren't facing as difficult of teams as. Now you're going to be facing everybody and being in the National League West. I mean, you've got to go into Colorado and pitch. You've got a very good San Diego team. And, you know, Arizona and San Francisco, their lineups are improving, I think, in terms of they're getting better. And he's going to have to face the NL East and the, you know, interleague play where they'll be facing a lot of the teams in the West as long. Um, I, I He's going to have a tougher road in terms of opponents than he had last year. But, yeah, I I being in LA, you know, there's always a chance that the Dodgers make those decisions to because they have all that depth to maybe put a guy on the injured list and just let him rest for a bit. But Bauer's only playing on, I think, like a two year contract before he's got an opt out. Right. And I, ju- I think there's a good chance that they're going to use him up more because of that. He's betting on himself with the way he's signing these deals. And I think the Dodgers will get try to get their money's worth. So Trevor Bauer isn't the only uh, pitcher that has come over into the NL West, into the NL, um, but mainly the West sticking with, you mentioned the Padres. Padres bring in, it seems like they're bringing in every single starting pitcher that they can to compete (laughs) with the Dodgers. Um, And mainly, my my next question is you, Darvish. You know, another one that uh, really excelled last year, how how do you see the outlook for him going into twenty twenty one? Very good. Um, I'll go back to two years ago. My co-host Andrew McQuiston is a Cubs fan, and he lives up in Chicago. And I took a trip up there, and I got to go see a Cubs Cardinals game in May of twenty nineteen. Oh, that's awesome, man! My first time in Wrigley. It was it was fantastic. I don't care if a Cardinal fan and all that. I don't care about any of that. I had a blast. And um, anyways. I what we were at the game 
and Aaron, um, I'm sorry, just lost my train of thought, but <laughs> you Darvish, what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You Darvish had just, um, come back from Tommy John and he was a mess the first half of that year. And it's all about a month after I saw him in that may is whenever he just turned a corner and he pitched like a Cy Young winner the rest of the year. Right. And that carried over into his starts last year where he was dominant. And honestly, going from Chicago to San Diego and that great pitcher's park he's going to be pitching in, I expect more of the same. I mean, he may not be pitching to a two ERA, but I think he's going to be a high-end ace getting lots of strikeouts. But if you note, yeah, if you look at his walk rate really ever since the middle of last year it's just been the middle of 2019 i should say it's been significantly improved and yeah i expect more dominance out of him so who who's the guy that has the better 2021 is it going to be uh trevor bauer or is it going to be you darvish Ooh. <laughs> you're i i honestly think it's needle thin yeah and i i'll take oh man <laughs> you're tough, hitting me a with a hard one, one there it's honestly I would not want to take the first one of the two. I'd want like if let's say you're picking at the end of a round or something and they're both on the board and you're going to pick again in a couple picks. I might wait because I can get one or the other. But if you put a gun to my head, I got to pick one. I'm probably going to pick Bauer, but I don't feel strongly one of the other. (laughs) It's because, you know, Bauer has that offense backing him up. So it's like wins are going to stack up whichever Bauer um, and the opportunity for rest, he's going to be fresh. Uh, so it's it's going to be really interesting. But then, yeah, you throw in the U Darvish situation. He goes into that uh, that friendly pitcher friendly ballpark over there in San Diego, where even mediocre guys. I've seen mediocre guys that I didn't even know who they were just throw like seven shutout innings in San Diego. So it's gonna look be- what Zach Davies did in <laughs> over there. Right. I mean, he looked really good the last year right. or two. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to see um, how the just the NL West uh, in and of itself, man. There's a lot of changes, and you Darvish for the for the Padres is the big one, but also coming over from the AL is Blake Snell. Now the the National League portion of fans, I mean, we all know what happened last year. Um, and Padre fans are are thanking Kevin Cash for pulling him out because that's how he ended <laughs> up in San Diego, man. Um, but but Blake Snell, you know the the transition from the AL style of of play to the NL to the NL West. How do you think that he's going to adjust? And is it a is it a advantage for a pitcher um, in that situation? For I'm going to talk about this in terms of fantasy and leaving Tampa to go to San Diego is a really good thing for Blake Snell, in my opinion. Right. Tampa Bay, more than any other team in the baseball, I think is quick to pull the trigger, pull pitchers out when they're out there. Um, They do not like pitchers seeing the the lineup a third time. And Blake Snell, it's been two full years. I think it's been almost two full years since he's last thrown a quality start in Major League Baseball. The first half of 2019 and during those stretch in 2020, that 60 game stretch, he never once, I don't think he ever once had one. If not, it was the beginning of 2019. And I think going to San Diego, he's going to get a little bit of the reins taken off there. Also going from pitching half your games in Tampa is not bad. They're, they're more of a pitcher's park, but you're having some, you have some really, really tough ballparks and lineups when you're on the road in the AL East. You go from that to San Diego where you do have Colorado, which is not fun to pitch in, and you do have to face the Dodgers. But 
I still feel like that's an easier environment for him. And I think the Padres will be more likely to let him go a little deeper in the games than Tampa. But all that said, I'm not a huge Snell guy in fantasy baseball. I've just felt like he's not a guy that's efficient enough out there on the mound to get deep into games enough. He'll get deeper, but he'll he'll throw more innings this year, I believe, as long as he's healthy. But he's still not one of those guys that I, I'm more for the efficient guys that I think are more likely to throw 180, 200 innings. And even if he's healthy all year, I think it's tough for him to get to 180 innings. Who do you? How do you think that the innings stacking up for him in this year that is projected? Right. I mean, he's he could potentially go deeper into games. Um, do you think that that's going to have a negative effect on him though as we get later into the season? Well, I, I honestly don't buy into like there are people that wonder about the injury because he's had some injuries the last couple of years. I think he's perfectly fine on that end. And I think he can get up into the mid to high 100s, like Steamer, which is the site I use for a lot of projections. I, I pay attention to Steamer. I go to Fangraphs. They've got Steamer projections. And I really focus it on, on it more with hitters than pitchers. And they've got him projected for 151 innings. I do expect him to throw more than that. Uh, if you had me guessing, I'd say somewhere in the 160 to 180 innings. Cause, and that matters in fantasy baseball because the more innings you're getting from a guy that's on your team that you really can't cut, the more you know strikeouts and potential for wins that you're getting. We are talking with Justin Hughes from Baseball 365 Podcast, and we're talking fantasy baseball. We don't talk fantasy baseball enough on this podcast, but we're getting into the the drafting times, right? The the, the draft days of uh, of baseball. If you haven't already done that yet, but let's go into this, uh, Justin. I have one question for you. Uh, the last part of the pitching category, then we'll get over into hitters. Um, what is your belief on? I mean, I guess it it goes into the. Uh, you know the 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 style of what your fantasy t- league is, but what what's your belief on relief pitchers? I mean, are you heavy on those? Do you stack those guys up, or are you just one of these these uh, owners that just go heavy on starting pitching and don't really uh, worry about the uh, the closing aspect of of games? It's all about what your league format is, because I I'm different in different leagues, to be honest. Right in like. And I play in some daily leagues where instead of it just being saves, it saves plus holds Okay. to where, and in those leagues that are daily, I'll have, I think I have five or six relievers on my dynasty team that I play in. That's like that. And I rack them up cause you can get your pitcher, get your um, start, you know, rotate your starters in and out, but in a standard weekly league with saves, which is what most people who play fantasy baseball play in, I honestly don't want to invest heavy in drafts on them. I'm not saying I, I like I I will invest in them early to get guys that are secure, but it's a very volatile position. I'll try to go into the season with about what the average is for your league. Like if you're playing in an NL only league where there's maybe a 12 team league where there's going to be basically 15 closers, I'd try getting one and I'd probably try getting hard to get one that's I think a little more reliable than going down bottom of the barrel. It just depends on what how the league's drafting, to be honest, because I'm in the middle of a draft and hold right now where pitching was incredibly aggressive, and I didn't get the closers early in a 15-team league. and But I still made sure I grabbed myself two that I normally wouldn't take as early as I did. I, st- I 
I bit the bullet and still bit took two guys because I don't want to dig a hole there. Right. And I'll just try to find th- during the season because there is so much turnover that happens. And this last two, two, three years, it's been crazy how much turnover has happened at that position to get saves. So you end up having to, if you're in a league with like fab, which is an auction auctioning way to pick up players, mm-hmm. you can spend a lot of your money having to chase saves because so <laughs> many guys are trying to get it. If it's a first come first serve league where you can grab a guy on the wire, if you're, if you're skilled enough to where you can, you know, be paying attention to that and grab the guy who, when you see a guy struggling, be able to grab the next guy that might get the job. Yeah. I'd, I'd be even less likely to be aggressive on closers and drafts. But if you're one that's not able to get in there every single day and be looking at that stuff, I'd probably be trying to get the secure, get the secure guys. Oh yeah. There, there's a guy in uh, in my league that I'm in that he's just a vulture on the waiver wire. Like he's mm-hmm. picking up guys at three, two in the morning. I'm like, what is he? Yep. So, when do you sleep? <laughs> like, I'm like, what, what are you, what are you doing out here? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's all in the strategy, right? It's all in the league. It's, it's different everywhere. Um, like, like me, uh, I, I tend to not, and, and I might be tipping my hand to anyone that's listening to the podcast, uh, that's in my league, but it's like, I tend not to go heavy on, on closers. Yeah. I'll try to get the one, but I'm not like, all right, if I don't get one, I don't get one. I'll figure it out. At one point last year, I didn't even get a closer. I didn't even draft one. Um, and I just kind of said that category, like whatever, like I'm, I'm done with, I'm, I'm not really worried about it. So it's all preference, right? It's all, it all, what it, uh, what you depend on more, but I stacked up heavy on starting pitching. That's why I'm asking you all these questions about the starting pitchers, man, because I'm in a dilemma right now where I have Trevor Bauer and we have, uh, uh, keepers, right? We, we get to keep, um, our players for, yeah, two two years, right from the mm-hmm. day that we draft them, and then they go back into the free agent pool um, for draft day, and it kind of just uh, cycles through or whatever. But I have the opportunity to have uh, Trevor Bauer, you Darvish, Aaron Nola, and this is in an NL Ooh. only league, but I'm but it's also an auction draft, so yeah. I'm trying to gauge the the. <laughs> The the value of a U Darvish, I got him at thirty two. I I kind of paid a little a little uh, a lot for him, but I'm like, ooh, I could have some pretty good starting pitching <laughs> if, if I that is if a I go sick there. Sick rotation in an NL only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, ooh, do I do I bite the bullet? Do I go get U Darvish? I'm I don't know why I'm toying with it. I mean, what what would your advice be to me? Would, would you would you say just do it? Um, is trading allowed in your league would yes. be my first question. Yes. Yes. Trading is allowed. Yes. Oh man. I think I would do it and try getting yourself out ahead on pitching because pitching in fantasy baseball every year, it's getting harder and harder to find those 180, 200 strikeout guys right, right. to where I've really the last three years have been trying to draft co aces in mixed leagues because the innings are just so hard to find with pitchers to where, yeah, I think those aces are worth it and they're worth grabbing or keeping holding on to. And right. you know what? If you find yourself in need of offense in the middle of the season and you you could always put one of those pitchers out there, there's always somebody in the fantasy league looking for pitching in midseason. So I would probably, as uh, I don't, I'd have to, I'd look into the auction calculators and stuff to see what they value them as. And as long as it's reasonably close, yeah, I'd be holding on to them because those players are incredibly valuous in mixed leagues, let alone NL only. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to think about it, man. My uh, my deadline for my keepers is coming up here uh, in a couple hours, so so no. I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to uh, figure that out. This is good timing uh, to record the podcast. Definitely, uh, you're helping me out here. But let, let's let's go go on over. I think we're done with the pitchers side of it. I feel like this is a great place to take a pause. Coming up next, we will be looking at the offensive category of fantasy baseball, leading it off with Mister St. Louis Cardinal. Nolan Arenado. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, and welcome back to the podcast, Passion for the Pastime. I'm your host, Walter, and we just finished up talking about pitchers. Now let's get into the hitters. I mean, everyone watches the game of baseball to see the long ball, to see some offense. We're not just out there watching guys strike out. That's not exciting enough. We want to see some offense. And yes, we talked about it. We teased it a little bit. I was excited to see this guy leave the NL West, man. <laughs> I'm like, Nolan Arenado, get as far away. He didn't go too far. He's still in the NL, but, but get out of the NL West, man. And you have him a gem over there in St. Louis. And by the way, the Cardinals are making a uh, a, a all-star team of NL West uh, talent. I don't know if you've noticed <laughs> that. They sure are. <laughs> yeah, so, so they have uh, Goldschmidt over there, and they just recently added Nolan Arenado. But my question to you is, how do you really gauge Nolan Arenado when you look at, because we all know what goes down in Colorado, right? The power numbers are a little bit inflated there. I, th- I think that's nicely putting it. But how do you uh, project Nolan Arenado going to St. Louis? A lot of people like to look at players, Colorado Rocky players, home road splits when they're taught, when they're um, with the Rockies. And whenever it's being discussed about them going to another team. And I went and looked at the stats this morning for an example. Aaron Otto has played 543 games in his career at home and 534 on the road. So pretty much dead even. And in those home games, he has a 322 batting average, a slug of 609 and an OPS on base plus slugging of 985 with 136 home runs. Insane numbers. Yeah, that is crazy. Wow. On the road, he's a 263 hitter with a 471 slug and a 793 OPS with 99 home runs, yeah. which is, you know, just a good player, but nothing too crazy. Right. And a lot of people look at that and think that that means if he leaves Colorado, those road numbers are what he's going to become. And usually that's not the case. What people forget to factor in is that it's really hard for these hitters to switch back and forth between the way the ball moves in home games in Colorado and the way it flies versus the way it moves on the road. And just the physical change that it, it, it the it, the toll takes on them from being 5,000 feet above right. sea level to playing <laughs> everywhere else. Everything changes, and it's hard to make those adjustments with the way the ball is even moving around. You almost have to train yourself two different ways to hit a baseball. And I read a great article about this a few months ago, and history shows that players typically end up somewhere in between those home run road stats when they leave Colorado. So Arenado is going to be in the middle of a decent, not elite, not terrible lineup. He's a really, really good hitter, though, who should have a lot of opportunities to drive in runs and be driven in when he gets on base. I do expect the home runs to drop as Colorado is a great place to hit. And St. Louis is one of the most pitcher-friendly environments versus right-handed hitters. They've definitely suppressed home runs in St. Louis for right-handers. So projecting 
I have Arenado something like a 270 to 280 hitter with around 30 home runs as compared to Colorado. It was more like high 30s, maybe even low 40s. And I mean, there were years in Colorado where he would have 130 RBIs in the season, RBI. And I expect like 190 to 210 when you take the runs plus RBI because we don't know exactly where in the lineup he's going to be. So I like adding those together. So you're, you're thinking like a 100 to 100 guy pretty close to. Okay. He's a real good player. But he isn't the first-round star anymore that he was. If he was in Colorado, I knew, and I knew he was going to be there all season, he'd be higher in my ranks, like in a 15-team league. He'd be a late second, early third-round pick. For me now, I kind of have him more as a fourth-round pick, and it's, you know, I, I wouldn't argue with somebody taking him in the third, late third, around like the other guys like a Devers or, um, oh, Bregman in terms of mixed league value. I think they're pretty close to the same. I move all of them down to fourth round picks personally because the speed is hard to find in fantasy baseball, and I think power and is easier to find. So I usually just try going for the things that are, are harder to get. So I don't end up with Arenado in too many drafts. But it's not because of a knock on him as much as just a draft strategy, right? So, so I mean, you're 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 not expecting the Colorado numbers, but you're expecting oh, a, a pretty decent uh, a year from from Nolan Arenado. I mean, you're looking at 30 home runs. What would you say two two seventy eight? I mean, that's that's still pretty decent. I mean, it's not uh, what he's what he's been, but I mean, it's it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. Yes. So you're gonna love Nolan Arenado. I'm telling you right now, you're you're gonna love him. And uh, and Andrew is going to hate going against <laughs> Nolan Arenado. Just just uh, remind him of that every single time you guys play, man. Uh, that's, yeah, that's gonna be hilarious. But um, you know, also related to Nolan Arenado with Colorado, uh, going back to the Rockies is. How does this really affect Trevor's story? Hmm, that's a good question. And honestly, I'm not giving it too much thought in terms of like I just took story in the first round of a draft this week. Mm-hmm. I I it is going to affect, I mean, losing Nolan Arenado and now your your projected lineup you have Charlie Blackman and Ryan McMahon and CJ Crone hitting behind you instead. So Maybe it knocks down the run scored a little bit. The RBI, I don't think really. I mean, he usually hit in front of Arenado in that lineup. So maybe take down the run scored a little bit. But I think hitting in Colorado, you're just you're such a good it's such a good hitting environment. I really don't change it much. And I've talked with Andrew about this because Andrew's like, well, what if they trade him too this season? Right. And paying attention to the Rockies, they're just not the type of team to make that move in season. I never see them sell. I've actually got a meme I share all the time on the internet, which is this guy. And, um, it, you know, they have the meme of like the joke being over your head. Right. And this one, the, the, it's the person and it says common and, or, um, let's see it. And the person's the Rockies mm-hmm. and the thing over the head is common sense. Basically they don't, <laughs> they don't show common sense right. with their transactions that they make. I'm not a big fan of how that organization handles themselves. I think that story's there for the year, and then they'll try re-signing him this offseason. We'll see if that happens or not. But I'm not really making too many changes in terms of where I where I would take him now versus before. Maybe the run score ticks down a little, but he's still got Charlie Blackman hitting behind him. Really good hitter. I I expect more of the same. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, Trevor's story. That whole, I mean, the the whole dilemma with uh, with Nolan Arenado 
had been a storyline in Colorado for the past, I, I want to say like three years. It was always uh, talked about in the off season and, uh, mm-hmm. and trade deadline. They never did anything. So it'll be interesting to see what they do um, this time around with Trevor Story. And Trevor Story, not too long ago, was a rookie. Now let's get into the um, in, into the top prospects, top prospect uh, in the National League. Who would you invest in the most out of the rookies coming into 2021 uh, this year? Do you have anyone that really stands out to you uh, so far? Well, in the National League, there aren't near as many. I um, When you look at the American League versus the National League in terms of prospects coming up, there are so many in the American League that I'm excited about. We got Wander Franco who could come yeah. up, Andrew Vaughn, Jared Kelnick, Alex Kirilov, Jeter Downs. The list goes on whenever you look at like lists and you look at the guys projected to come this year up. The National League, it's not big. I mean, you have two guys that debuted last year, Dylan Carlson and Cabrian Hayes, and I don't even like count them as prospects in my head because had 2020 been a regular year, they both wouldn't be prospects anymore. So I'm not going to count them when I'm talking about this. If you want to count them, then those are the two big headliners. (laughs) But since I'm not counting them, the headliner for me, like in terms of when you look at lists, Mackenzie Gore is the biggest name by far on that side in San Diego, but I'm not near as excited as I was at this time last year. Right. He I mean, I think this guy has top of the rotation, top of the league upside as a pitcher. But I am still baffled about him not debuting in that stretch run for St. Louis Mm -hmm. or San Diego last September or even October in the playoffs. They had pitching injuries mounting up. Clevenger got hurt. They had, um, oh my gosh, I just blanked on the other pitcher. Uh, Nelson Lamette Lamette, has got the elbow problem. They had all that mounting up, and he never came up. And then early reports and string training are that it wasn't injury-related, but mechanically. Right. And it must have been pretty bad for them not to throw him out there. He's out there this spring, and there are reports that he could be called up to the big club to start the year, but I'm still trying to temper my expectations on him just because of the fact that he had this big of a mechanical problem. I managed to get a share in a in a league in the reserve rounds recently, but I'm not being overly aggressive on him personally. And other players who I feel like are up there on a lot of lists in the National League that could debut this year, I don't find myself too enamored with. I mean, Atlanta has two outfielders, Christian Pache and Drew Waters, that are pretty high-name prospects. And But for fantasy, I'm not too excited about either of them. I just, I'm not sure about Pache's hit tool being there or even the like he's got this he's a blazing fast guy out there in the outfield but when you go look at his success rate stealing in the minors it's not been great and drew waters is supposed to be this tools a guy and i just don't think we've seen enough of those tools for me to get too excited about him then we got josiah gray he i, I i'm i sound like a negative guy here and i'm gonna get to a couple <laughs> in a second but we got josiah gray is another one i was really intrigued with with the dodgers but He's their SP eight or nine at this time. Right. Edward Cabrera with the Marlins. That would have been a name I would have said. He's got bicep issues. So, but we do have one guy that I think JJ Bladé with the Marlins, I'm hearing good things about. I wouldn't draft him in like shallow leagues by any means, but I'm keeping my eye on him and trying to grab him when he comes up. Baseball America has him with a 60 grade hit and a 60 grade power on the 2080 scale. 
it is a tough park for power, but he's probably the bat I'm most interested in debuting this year. But one other guy that I've taken in the final couple rounds of these draft and hold leagues, which draft and hold, you draft 50 rounds, you draft 50 players, that means, and then you're done. You don't add anybody else during the season. You just start and bench guys. And I've taken a lot of, I've gotten a couple shares, I should say, of Helio Ramos in these late rounds. And I had my co-host Andrew asking me about, about that a while back, asking if I thought he'd really be up. And I figured there was a decent chance he'd be up. He was in double A at the end of 2019, you know, just briefly. But that means I thought he could be close. And now he's trending this spring as he's performed pretty well. I hear a lot of talk coming about him. But Wally, you're the Giants fan. So I really wanted to ask you about Helio Helio, and th- and get your thoughts on him. Yeah, you know, Ramos is a uh, he's a special kid. He, he really is. Um, as far as him making an impact this year, I, I'm I'm not seeing it right now. Uh, he's he's having a fantastic um, spring right now. I mean, I, I want to say that he's he's at four home runs now, or it might be just three. I know he hit two uh, not too long ago in the same game uh, over the past weekend, but um, he's showing really well his development. Um, he's where the Giants want him to be, but I just think that they're not going to start his clock yet. I, I think that they're yeah. going to wait. Um, he may come up in September. It, it's it's a very weird situation right now, but I, I want to say that they're going to want to have Hunter Bishop come up. They're going to want to have uh, Ramos come up, Luciano come up, yeah. all around the same time frame so that they can, you know, hit hit the – Hit the hit the ground running, so to speak. Um, but of the prospects for the Giants, I would say that Ramos has the most potential to make an impact in 2021. I'm not ruling it out, but with how the MO has been for the Giants, I wouldn't see anything like towards the back end of summer, unless he's like just completely tearing it up in uh, in AAA. I'm not sure where they want to start him this year. Um, but I, I'm assuming that it's going to be a triple A in, in Sacramento. So, uh, Elliot Ramos, I mean, that, that man is, uh, is looking amazing. And then we're, we're really excited about, uh, uh Marco Luciano. Uh, we're really, oh, we're really excited are. about him. Yeah. Everyone's talking about him being the next Tatis, man. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. well, let, let's maybe bring it back a little bit. Let's, <laughs> let's bring it back a little bit because I, I don't even know. He hasn't even played, uh, beyond double A yet. So it's like, all right, well, let's. Let's calm it down, but he looks pretty good. I mean, he is a specimen. He is huge um, for a shortstop. I think he's going to eventually move over to the corner. I think he's going to play yeah. uh, third base eventually because he's just massive as a shortstop. But uh, really excited there, man. I mean, that's the thing when you when you talk about the Giants um, with Farhan. And, and it's funny because we talk about Farhan, um, you know, in the Bay Area a lot, and people don't like his moves and stuff like that. The thing that I will say is that the development of the farm system has greatly improved, but it's not and it's not all Farhan because uh, Ramos and Luciano were like parting gifts from Bobby Evans. So mm-hmm. that that's still he, his legacy still lives on in San Francisco. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, everything else that that the that the Giants have been doing and and their moves. I mean, we we just brought in who was it? Scott Casimir. Uh, it was yep. very, it was a very strange signing, but I'm just like, hey, you know, you got, you got to trust the process, man. They have the job for a reason. 
right? So, so um, it, it was it was a very interesting uh, signing to, to say the least. But um, last year, or I want to say two years ago, uh, they had Drew Drew Pomeranz, I believe, and they traded him to uh, to Milwaukee, and they got Mauricio Dubon, who is mm-hmm. a is a is a young. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say star, but he's a he's a decent ball player, and he's able to play multiple positions. And you know, I, I feel like the the Giants organization they're moving in the right direction. But yeah, to go back to to Ramos, um, I would love if you're asking me the fan, I would love to see him. Um, you know, c- come June, I would love to see him on the big league club. I just don't know if it's in the cards uh, for 2021, but 2022, I think for sure. So if you're able to to stash him away, um, in in a late round in, in a keeper league, I think that would be a good a good play, for sure. And uh, I mentioned uh, Mar- Marcos uh, Luciano a little bit, and I mentioned how he was um, compared to Fernando Tatis. Are, are you believing the uh, the Tatis hype? Going into this year, I mean, he hasn't even played a full season yet, and he gets that fantastic long contract. So where we lose Arenado, I'm given another headache with Fernando Tatis. But I, but I like seeing uh, Tatis play. Yeah. Um. To quickly answer, do I believe? Yes. Uh, I think he's a legit star. And again, I was fortunate enough to catch him at a game here in Springfield in 2018. I live you know, just right up. I lived at the time, 30 minutes away. Um, the Padres double a team comes to town once a year. They're in the other division of this league that the Texas league, I think it is that they're in. And I made sure I was there for that series to, to see Tatis jr. And I was actually fortunate enough to get him to sign a baseball for me. So nice. that's something I'm always going to treasure. <laughs> But anyway, he let off that game with a routine fly out and off the bat, it was clear he got under it. And it still traveled to the warning track in center field. And I saw that and was like, whoa, this is Springfield's not the PCL. It's not this place where the ball just flies out. That went a long way. And then I realized he had some enormous power. So anyways, I was a little skeptical of him when he was brought up on opening day 2019. He had only played 100 games in double A out of 20. 27 to 29% strikeout rate in those 100 games. I wasn't sure if he was ready. But what really impressed me is while he did strike out nearly 30% of his at-bats in the first season, 372 plate appearances, he was still working walks, providing a lot of value in the power speed department. I wasn't buying that 317 batting average, as he did do that with like a 410 batting average on balls in play, which is insanely high. He hits the ball hard, so he's always... I mean, he's probably going to have a high batting average in balls in play typically just because he has such good power. But I thought he could be a 270-280 hitter with a lot of power and speed going into last year. And that's what happened. He had 278 batting average with 17 home runs and 11 steals in that 59-game stretch. But what impressed me the most is he showed a better ap- ability to make contact. It was only 60 games, but he struck out only 23% of his at-bats and his walk weight rate got up into double digits. Now, again, like I said, 60-game stretch, I wouldn't be surprised to be striking out more over a full season. I honestly would probably project him to be in the 25-27% rate, but with his elite tools and the ability to take a walk, I mean, Acuna's a top pick in a lot of leagues, and he struck out over 25% of his at-bats every year since debuting, and I think they're very comparable. 
They're guys who are really good power speed combo, hit the ball hard. We'll take some strikeouts. We'll take some walks, but I probably would. I, I think I buy in. I think they're both the top two guys in fantasy baseball hitter wise. I'd probably take Acuna first as I do think he's like more likely to get 30, 40 steals, but I don't think Tatis is far behind that. He's a five category stud. I would not be, I, I, I wouldn't love that contract being a Giants fan. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I am dreading it uh, every day. Like I said, we, we lose Arenado, uh, that headache's gone, but we have another one down there uh, in San Diego <laughs> with, with Tatis, so so I'm, I'm popping the Advil, man. Uh, we're talking with <laughs> Justin Hughes here of Baseball 365 Podcast. Uh, real quick, Justin, before I let you go, we've been talking about the main guys, the big-name guys, um, of the season. I mean, Tatis, all these starting pitchers, the, the the names that people know. But what are some of sleepers, some some guys that you think that could really make an impact um, this year, um, you know, who aren't the the U Darvishes, the, the Trevor Bowers, the Tatis Juniors? Who who are uh, some of those guys, some sleepers on your on your list, on your watch list, uh, real quick? Um, let's see, you know, I really like Colton Wong. I think him going from, I know this sounds like a Cardinal Homer thing. And I will say right now, I have not drafted Colton Wong in years. Um, I always wasn't a fan, but the fact that, and when he became a free agent and I was seeing that he was going in these drafts as a 20th round player and 15 team leagues, I thought, man, that's too late for this guy to where I was grabbing him a lot in 15 team leagues. But the the guy I'm watching the most this spring, and there's a position battle going on, is Andres Jimenez. And he's going versus Ahmed Rosario for that Cleveland starting shortstop. Both of them were traded to Cleveland in that Lindor deal, and at first it really looked like one would play short and the other at second. But then Cleveland signed Cesar Hernandez, who, by the way, is also leading off in most of these spring training games. So Cesar Hernandez, just a couple of years ago, went had like 15 home runs and 19 steals in a season. And if he's hitting lead off for Cleveland, I like that too. But Jose Ramirez is third, which leaves one infield spot for the two of those guys. And I'm going to make a quick plug here for Mike Curland on Twitter. If you like fantasy baseball and you're following um, a lot of what's going on in spring training and wanting to see with position battles, he's doing fantastic work. Mike Curland, K U R L A N D with an underscore in between. He, um, has this uh, spring training lineup tracker pinned to the top of his profile, and he's tracking and giving notes on lineups every single day that um, and just the trends he's seeing because there's A teams and B teams playing, and a lot of times you'll see maybe somebody's playing with the A team and the B team, and it gives you a better idea for what the team's thinking about in terms of who's going to start. And in the first week, Rosario was clearly playing with the A lineup, and Jimenez was playing with the B lineup which Jimenez is the guy I've been really interested in. But he had a really good first week, uh, Jimenez, that is. And in the second week, that's flipped. And now Jimenez is hitting second in the A lineup, and Rosario's more been more with the B team. And not only that, the word is he's starting to get, uh, Rosario's starting to get some practice time in the outfield. So they may be using him as the utility guy and putting Jimenez at short. And I, ju- I really like that guy if he can get that job. Uh, he was a big story in the early part of last year when he was getting regular playing time with the Mets in only 132 plate appearances. He hit 263 with three home runs and eight steals. I mean, 
if you manage to get 500 plate appearances, you're talking about a guy who could be, have 10 home runs and 20 to 30 stolen bases. And we know anybody who plays fantasy baseball knows steals are the hardest thing to find these days. That and saves. But if he doesn't get the job, he could still start the year in the minors. So that's a guy I'm paying attention to. If he gets that job, I'm in, I'm in on him. All right, there you have it. Justin, thank you for coming by on the podcast, man. It was fun. Go ahead and check out his podcast, Fantasy Baseball 360. Uh, when do you guys post? What what, uh, what days do you post? We don't have a specific ske- schedule, but this offseason we've recorded most Friday nights, and I've put one out there overnight Saturday, and then the next part comes out on Tuesday. But we're not real consistent once the season gets going. We shoot for Fridays, but it's just whenever we can make time, to be honest. All right, man. I will check it out. tomorrow. You said tomorrow, right? There'll be another podcast out tomorrow. I'll check it out. Tonight. Yep. Tonight we're recording. I think we're doing a two-parter. We're finishing up on relievers and then one's catcher and utility um, players. I don't remember which one we're going to post first, but one of those two positions will be out tonight, tomorrow. All right. Perfect, Justin. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming by. Uh, great talk with the fantasy baseball. You are knowledgeable in that, man, and I really appreciate it. And, um, and, Enjoy Nolan Arenado. My parting gift to you. Enjoy <laughs> Nolan Arenado in 2021, thank, man. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Let's do it again sometime. Again, that was Justin Hughes for Baseball 365. Go ahead and give that page a follow on Facebook and listen to the podcast, Baseball 365 with Justin Hughes. It is a great listen. You can learn a lot, which I hope you had a lot to take away from this podcast today in talking to Justin, talking about fantasy baseball, because we all love fantasy baseball. It's around that time of year where we're getting ready for drafts, and the season is only about two weeks away, three weeks away, and it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And if you haven't joined uh, any fantasy baseball leagues yet, be, be on the lookout. Go and find yourself a league because it is a great way uh, to become a student of the game and really understand, um, you know, statistics and stuff like that. It's a great way to really expand your knowledge on the game of baseball to play fantasy sports, to play fantasy baseball. And this guy, Justin Hughes, for Baseball 365 Podcast, is a very insightful, very knowledgeable, and I was, it was a pleasure to have him on the podcast. Go ahead and listen to this guy's podcast. You will not be disappointed. And also, again, I stress, if you are a fan of the game, a fan of baseball, a fan of fantasy sports, join Baseball 365. It is a great community. I've been a part of them for a little bit over two years, maybe even longer than that. Um, And a lot of great people in there, a lot of great baseball minds, great perspectives. I highly recommend it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode and get ready for fantasy sports. Get ready for the regular season. We got a lot more coming at you before opening day. We got a lot to talk about and including some uh, some changes, some rule changes to the minor league system that's going to be happening this year. We'll talk about that next time. You guys have a good one. Be safe. Talk to you then.